Hi, welcome back. Michelle Sparks with you. Great to have your company. Just to let you know, I'm doing a series now called Scratching the Surface, and we're looking at the precipitating factors that can lead into the development of an eating disorder. And this is actually audio that has been stripped from the YouTube videos that I have uploaded. If you want to see the YouTube videos, please go to YouTube and just type in Michelle Sparks. I'm sure you'll find me. Um, but I do want to make this available to all my podcast listeners. And thank you so much for your feedback and questions. Keep them coming. MP underscore Sparks. You can get me there at Twitter or you can get me at Michelle at michellesparks.com and I am loving your questions and your feedback. So thanks very much and here we go. Hi, welcome back. My name is Michelle Sparks, physio and counsellor from Sydney, Australia, long-term recovered survivor of anorexia and other eating issues, Ednos, binge eating in my teen and early adult years. Really keen to help you understand why you struggle and to see what you can do to move forward and I just want to share with you a picture of the journey I took just because I think a picture speaks a thousand words that's it so you can probably see that I went from um, I started in about year seven year eight going down the scales into restricting anorexia I was hospitalized in year 10 when I was 15 years of age I was in hospital for about nine weeks um, I then came out and really rocketed up the scales. It would have been now classified as Ednos. I would have called it non-purging bulimia because I couldn't make myself vomit. I would have if I could have, but I couldn't. Um, and I proceeded to move into binge eating. As you can see, the top of the scales, I would have probably been about 18. My first year of university, at the very height of the weight I gained, I, I actually doubled my weight in about 6 to 12 months. Now can I just share with you, that was in the late 70s, early 80s, and I don't believe, if you are going down the scales right now into anorexia, and that diagram freaks you out, as, and I understand it would, um, I don't believe you have to do the journey I took. I travelled through a time of great darkness. Um, there just wasn't a lot of light on the subject, which is why I wrote this book called Illuminating Anorexia. And it's really to illuminate or shed light on that whole journey down the scales, what was going on, what was under the surface of that, what was going on in hospital, what was going on as I traveled, rocketed up the scales. What were the, what were the key issues that were driving my thinking and behavior and how was I feeling inside? Now I wrote that book in 2011, 2012, really to take back the layers and to help others who were ready to see or think about what might be going on in their own journey, I really wanted to help them catch sight of, I knew it would be my path, not your path, but I have discovered as I've shared that story and unpacked it, other people who have been struggling have found, it's it shed light on their path, what's going on, and it's actually brought a lot more light and understanding for them, the person who's traveling through the disorder. But it's also actually helped the people who are around that person, whether they are personal carers like mums and dads, brothers and sisters, or professional carers. It's helped them to climb inside the skin, the heart and the mind of someone who's traveling in that space. And you know, I've had people read this story, an 18 year old read it not that long ago, and she had come out of hospital and she said, you know, if I had read this story, Three years ago, I reckon I could have avoided hospitalization altogether. 
So even though my story is, you know, I'm older than probably a lot of you watching this, the themes are very similar. And I guess I want to just talk a little bit about my story, not because I, I, I don't suspect you're interested particularly in my story, but you will be in terms of how it relates to you. What, is, what are some of the commonalities? What, are, what is the common ground? Because i tell you what I do know. Um, I've drawn on this board. It's a bit of a shame that I've drawn on this board quite the way I have. But anyway, I, I love a whiteboard. I think a whiteboard's fantastic. What we do know about eating disorders is that they often begin when we're not feeling terribly good about ourselves. So we could call that low self-esteem. In other words, we don't feel okay about ourselves. Uh, poor body image, and we know I'm just going to put BI for body image there. Again, very common in early adolescence hitting puberty, especially for the girls. We know that girls tend to uh, start to struggle with eating issues and body-related issues as they move into puberty and early adolescence because their bodies start to, it's normal and necessary, girls, for us to lay down some body fat as we mature and move into becoming a woman. And it's really sad that in our culture that a lot of girls don't feel good about that because I think it's really tough. You know, we live in an age where there's just such a bombardment of images and those images are stylized, they're hypersexualized, they are airbrushed, they are, you know, a lot of the imagery that girls, women, men as well are exposed to is kind of certain body types are are esteemed more than others but the reality is we are all shapes and sizes have you ever been down a beach a normal beach we are all shapes and sizes and most of that has to do with our genetics and yes we can um, you know we can choose to the fuel we eat the fuel we put inside our body and what we do in terms of exercise will definitely help us to maintain health to be a healthy weight for our um, genetic structure and our, a lot of which is inherited but unfortunately a lot of people are trying to look like something that they will never look like and even images that are completely idealistic and not real they're airbrushed I mean you I'm sure you've you've heard models etc talk about the way they don't even look like their appearance in the photoshopped version on the cover of the magazine you know thighs are elongated and and um, breasts are enhanced and lines are removed and hair is pumped up and all sorts of things. So the images that you're trying to live up to are not even real, but it's very understandable in our, our culture that a lot of people struggle with poor body image because we seem to have this preoccupation with the body such that people judge themselves particularly. Maybe other people might make some comments as well like you know but I think we really judge ourselves based on the hyper the ridiculous amount of images that we expose ourselves to and the key lesson there really is just to be very aware of what you expose yourself to and you know one of the suggestions is to put on your sort of scientific cap and go wait a minute is that image real? And what is that image saying to me? And do I agree with that? Like start to be a little bit more objective when you observe some of the images that you're being dished up. And I would say, young girls particularly, you know, maybe look at what you are feeding on. 
If you are feeding on lots of MTV or music videos or celebrity magazines, they will probably make you feel pretty lousy about your own shape and size. And you are beautiful. I have no doubt about it. Whoever I'm speaking to right now, you are a beautiful creation. And the way you were designed to be, I think, is stunning. And you need to hear that message a whole lot more. I'll get back to that. Back to the risk factors with developing eating disorders and eating issues, particularly in early adolescence. So low self-esteem, poor body image, and another risk factor is having an, what we call an external locus of control. What does that mean? It basically means that you don't feel like you're in the driving seat of your life. And in other words, uh, yeah, you don't have a lot of control over your life. You feel like you are beholden to other people and other events. And I certainly remember all of these things when I was in early adolescence. Um, and the deal is, we start dieting, controlling food, restricting food, and it is a way to feel better about oneself. You do feel more in control. You can feel more acceptable according to social norms. If you, uh, you know, you've been struggling with your body and you feel like you just... I remember when I was hitting puberty. It's hard to know which way to start here, whether I start with my story or I start here, but I certainly experienced all of these in early adolescence and they were part of my journey into the eating disorder. What I just want to say here is that dieting does make sense as a way to start to help oneself feel better and more in control. It is an understandable but misguided solution to what I would call pain in our heart. In other words, we're feeling unhappy, dis-peace, dis-ease, in our heart, in our emotions, in our sense of self. It's really the self that needs the focus. But unfortunately, we get, we start to move into looking after our body, changing the body, trying to lose weight, change the shape of the body. And we know that if that becomes the way we deal with stuff and we don't have any other coping strategies, we will eventually lose control. We'll binge or break the diet. And if you're on a restrictive cycle, you'll go back into dieting, restricting, and you might stay on that cycle and develop anorexia. You just restrict, restrict, restrict. And of course, there are all sorts of consequences. There are physical consequences. We put strain on every area of the body. There are psychological consequences um, in terms of the way we, we start to think in much more black and white sort of thinking. Our thinking become more irrational. There are social consequences. We become more isolated and withdrawn. And I would say there are spiritual consequences in terms of we start to feel really driven by fear. We become quite preoccupied and fear-driven. And that just feeds, we just stay on this cycle. Now, eventually the body cannot starve indefinitely. So even if you are successful at restricting and you are going down the anorectic path, at some point you will lose control. Um, and it may be small to begin with, but it may grow and then you might start to compensate for that with other compensatory behaviours and you might move into bulimia. I'm going around the world here because, um, yeah, I'm trying to think how to do this succinctly. Okay, just letting you know this will be continued in the next audio, also in the next YouTube video. Thanks for your time. Do feel free to contact me, mp underscore sparks. Love to help you if I can. Travel well.